since I was so um, short-winded last week, I thought I'd make up for it today. So <laughs> hope everybody's comfortable. No, I'm just kidding. I wish y'all could have seen the look on your faces when I said, okay, <laughs> he's done. Today we're going to continue in our study of, in the book of Matthew. And we're looking at Jesus and his continued teaching to the, the multitudes. And Jesus used a lot of different methods of teaching throughout his ministry. Often he spoke in a style that we would consider lecture. Uh, where somebody just stands in front of a group of people and they just talk. Um, but he also incorporated a lot of storytelling into his messages. The use of storytelling, it, it not only helped engage the listeners in what he was saying, but it also helped to reinforce the message. So many times, if how many have you seen somebody teach what we call a lot of times an object lesson, where they, they do a demonstration as they talk, and you remember that because you remember the demonstration and you remember the words that went along with it. So that's why Jesus used the, the, the method of storytelling to go along with his teaching because he wanted it to be something that would last. The, the type of storytelling that Jesus used was commonly was what we would consider a parable. And parables existed before Jesus' day, and they were primarily... It was a, a story with an underlying principle or a lesson to be learned. And we've looked even in the Old Testament. Some of the Old Testament writers wrote in, um, in a form of parable where they would tell a story of something to make a point about something else. And a lot of times the parable had an actual practical application as well as the spiritual application. The word parable is derived from a Greek word. It's parabolo. It's a, actually a combination of, of two words that mean beside and to cast. So in other words, a parable compares two things side by side in order to create a visual picture for the purpose of instruction. So we see that you take two things and you place them side by side and you cast this image of these two things to, to talk about your point. And, you know, it works so much better, if, even if you look this morning at up on the screen, when, when I, if I would have just said the word, it, it would have been okay, and it would have stayed in your mind for a little bit. But when we see it, or when we do something that causes a, a visual picture, it tends to last longer. And Jesus used that type of teaching often. Jesus' parables included, and they contained visual images, um, an engaging narrative, and ordinary examples of everyday life. He talked to the people about things that they understood. He didn't talk. If I got up today and talked about brain surgery, which I would not do a very good job of, obviously, but if I tried to get up here today, most of y'all would, would go, wow, was that boring. But if we talked about planting a garden, most of us say, well, I've planted a garden before, so I kind of understand that. So rather than talk about brain surgery, we're going to talk about planting a garden today. One thing that, that use of story, and for those of you that, that have taught or that will teach, may teach sometime in the future, telling of stories helps the listeners to grasp what you're saying without having to have a degree in theology. 
if you are ever in a situation where you're teaching anything, the more that you can give examples that people can relate to, the better they will grasp the concept you're trying to teach. If you're going to take the time to teach someone, then you should always make sure that when you're finished, that they had some idea what you were trying to get across. Hopefully I will do that today. Most of Jesus' audience were simple, ordinary people. And when he spoke, he spoke of things that, that they could relate to in everyday life. The area where Jesus was was predominantly a rural-type area. And often Jesus spoke about farming. He spoke of, of cattle. He talk, spoke of vineyards. And he spoke of other crops that they were probably familiar with. And as we read in our scripture text today, we see that this is a great example of doing just that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds, large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. We know that when Jesus taught, that people came to hear him by the thousands. Remember last week we saw that he fed a crowd of, of somewhere up to maybe 20,000 people. So he drew a lot of people. And again, in this, in this scripture, if you go back to where we started, it says that there was a tremendous crowd. In fact, there was such a large crowd that he decided, in order for able, everybody to be able to hear, that he would get into a boat and push offshore a little ways, and then he sat or stood in the boat, and he taught the people. It was kind of like having his own little separate pulpit. Maybe the boat was high enough that people could see him and hear him. So we see this is what Jesus chose to do because there were so many people. And he starts to tell a story about a farmer. And he selected this story because I believe that most of these people at some point in their life had probably planted a garden. How many of you have planted a garden before? See? We understand that. I remember planting, when I was a little boy, we, maybe it was because they were easy, we planted radishes all the time. I mean, we had tons of radishes, and we did a good job at it because you just plant them, and they come up, and they're radishes, and you pull them out of the ground, and they were the best thing in the world because we planted them. So I understand the concept of going out and planting something and hoping that something comes up. Now, on the other hand, later in life, Jeffrey and I decided a few years ago, several years ago, to plant carrots. And we had an entire section of carrots and out of that entire garden of carrots, we came up with one little tiny carrot about that big. Was not very successful.
A farmer in that day would generally cultivate one of several narrow strips of ground near his village. And here's, here's the way that it would work. Let's say that, that this is a, a section of our village, and this would be my section right here. And this over here would be Brother Rowe's section to plant. And I would plant in mine, and he would plant in his. And in between the sections, there would be a common ground. There would be this path that would go in between. It wasn't a big place because we could only have so much land, but we had this space in common. So I would plant my garden over here, he would plant his over there, and then there'd be another one. And this was my responsibility. In order to plant on my little strip of land, I would walk down through here, and I would throw, reach into my little bag of seeds here, and I'd throw them out on the ground. And then later, after I threw the seeds out, somebody would come along and they would plow the seeds under, and then hopefully over a period of time, something would grow. And no doubt, every farmer, since he had this one little plot of land, and that's all he had, when he threw that seed out, he tried to aim it on the land that he had cultivated so it would grow. And so he was very careful as to where he threw it. But Jesus' story here says that in spite of the fact that he tried to throw it in the, the place where he wanted it to grow, there was some seed that went some other places. Some of it fell on the common soil out here. And you know if it was the common area where people walked, it was trampled down. And what happened is, since it was trampled down and flat, when you went along the edge throwing seed out here, and it went out here on the hard path, it just laid there. And Jesus said the birds came along and they ate it. Other seed fell on a thin layer of soil. Maybe as, as the ground was watered or as it was cultivated, maybe there were some rocks down on this end and some of the soil actually got out here over the rocks and there was this thin layer of soil over top of the rocks. And some of those seeds fell on that, that thin layer of soil and they would try to take root because there was a little bit of soil. But what would happen, they would hit the rocks and the roots wouldn't grow and it couldn't reach any moisture. And since when the weather would get hot, there was no moisture, the plants would die. Then it said that some of the other seed, it fell on land that probably looked good. Maybe when the farmer was walking down through his lot, he got distracted by one of his neighbors. Hey, how you doing? And he threw some out here and it fell on land that looked good. But what happened is on that land that looked good, it was full of weed seeds. And even though it started to grow over here in this land that looked good, there weren't any rocks, it wasn't trampled down, it was pretty good soil. But there was a lot of seeds from the weeds that had been there the season before. And as the plant started to grow, so did the weeds. And as the weeds grew, it says that they choked out the plants and they did not produce a harvest. But then it says some of the seed fell on good land. Some of it actually went in my little garden area here. 
just where I had prepared the soil, I had gone through and plowed it up and pulled the rocks out of it and made sure all the weeds were gone so that when it started growing, they wouldn't come back up. And the ground was prepared just right, and those seeds were thrown out there. And guess what? There was stuff that grew. Things actually grew where you had prepared for things to grow. And it says that because of that, it produced a crop of a hundred or 60 or 30 times what was sown. Now, I don't know what the normal ratio is to sowing seed to what you actually reap, but that sounds pretty good to me. Even 30 times what you sow. So we see that there was all these different scenarios that Jesus talked about. And later in this same chapter, Jesus explained to the disciples exactly what he meant in this parable. Matthew, let's skip to there. It's Matthew 13, verses 18 and 19. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Jesus' Jesus's comparison of the seed to the Word of God has showed a couple things. One thing, it showed that just as a seed contains potential to grow and produce a harvest, the Word of God has the potential to multiply and produce results in people's hearts. Just as, as sure as I know that if I go out and plant a seed in the ground that it will produce something, I know that if God places something in my life and I cultivate it, it will grow and produce something. And this is what Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples. We see that the seed, the potential in the seed, is only unlocked how? When you plant it. If you have a big burlap sack full of seed and you sit it in the barn, I'm not a farmer, so don't think I really know all about this stuff, but I've seen it on TV or something. If you take a big sack of seed and set it in the barn, it won't produce any crops. I know that for sure. The only way to release the potential in a seed is when you actually take it out of the barn and take it out and plant it. And there's a lot of Christians today that have taken the seed that's been planted in their life and they've stored it in the barn and it's never grown a bit. And if the plant doesn't grow, it will never produce fruit. And this first person that Jesus talked about is the person that, that hears the Word or hears the Gospel. But their heart is like that hard soil. Their heart is not prepared. Their heart is not open for anything to come in. It's not open to the Gospel. And if your heart's not open to the Gospel, you can sit through hours and hours of preaching and teaching, and if your heart is not open to it, it's not going to do any good. When we come to the house of God, our hearts need to be in a place, and, and I try to pray every Sunday when, when we sit down to study that we will open up our hearts and receive what God has for us in this place. And that's the way we have to approach the Word of God is to open our hearts so that we can receive that Word so that it will grow and be fruitful in our lives. But when we approach it with a hard heart, the seed falls 
on that hard heart, just like it did on the common pathway between the little areas of, of land, and it just lays there. And Jesus said what happens is that Satan comes along and he snatches up that seed just like the birds did, and it's gone and it never had a chance to develop into anything. It was just wasted. Yeah, but I go to church. That's great. The devil does too. But if you go to church and you just don't open your heart to receive, then it would the Word would just lay there and soon it's gone. Verses 20 and 21. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the Word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he... He lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the Word, he quickly falls away. Remember, this is that seed that fell on, on the rocks that, that there was a little bit of soil on top of. So there was this little shallow bit of, of ground there, and the seed would take root a little bit. And what Jesus said, this is the person that, that comes to the Lord, and they hear the Word, and at first they're happy and they're glad and they're joy, joy, praise God. But they don't seek for any understanding. And they don't seek after any more than this shallow experience with God. And because it's a shallow experience, they don't have any roots. And just like that seed that Jesus talked about when there was no roots, as soon as something came along that was a little bit of trouble... The plant died. And we've all seen that happen. It's one of the, the saddest things is to see a person come in and give their heart to God and make a start to live for God, but they never develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. And because there's no relationship, the only thing they have are just shallow roots. There's no depth. And that initial joy that was there when they first came to Christ, it's gone. The excitement is gone. The new kind of wears off. It's kind of like when you, you go get a brand new car and you're so excited and a month later it's just another car. How was I so excited about that? And a lot of people come to Christ and they get really excited, but they never study and they never try to get any roots. They never gain any depth in their walk with Christ. And because of that, the roots don't come down. And so when there's any type of trouble or there's any kind of hard times come along, the plant dies. We say here at High Point Church that, that we're here to help you reach the high point in your walk with Christ. And that's true. Let me say this, the only, reach, only way to reach the high point in your walk with Christ is to develop some roots and some depth in your everyday walk with Christ. You will never reach that high point. You will never reach that place to where you really, really want to be when you first come to Christ if you don't put down some roots. A relationship with Christ to a lot of people is is only about coming to church and maybe doing a little dance and 
maybe shout a little bit and wave your hands and run around the building. And if you feel, you know, led of the Spirit to do that, knock yourself out. I'm not a real runner in that myself. But I won't stop you. It's okay. It's not about just knowing all the words to the songs. You see, you can do that and have this little shallow relationship. You can know how to jump up and down, dance in the Spirit, know all the words to the song, and not have any roots at all. It's a whole lot more than that. I assure you that if you have been married for any length of time, or if you've been in a relationship with someone for any length of time, it's because over the years you've developed a relationship with the person you're married to. Many people try to have a relationship by Christ by only talking to Him on Sunday morning. How well do you think that worked in your marriage? Probably not very well. But we think it'll work with a relationship between us and Christ. We, we ignore Him all week long and we come to church and we want to talk to Him. That's not a relationship. A relationship is a constant thing. That's exactly the Sunday morning type relationship is what Jesus was talking about. Because he said in verse 21 that when a person, when that seed falls on that kind of ground and it doesn't take root, the first time a little bit of tribulation or a little bit of persecution or a little bit of trouble comes along, that person's gone. And sometimes we see people come to Christ and we wonder, well, why didn't they stay? Never took root. And I'm not going to say it's always their fault. Sometimes it's our fault. We didn't cultivate it right. Maybe the land wasn't cultivated right and and we only allowed them to take shallow roots, and when only they had shallow roots, kind of blew the plants away when the wind came along. Verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. This is a person that hears the word, Maybe they accept it as truth. And maybe they even understand it and even cultivate it to an extent. Even to the point to where it starts to take a little bit of root. But here's the problem. All of the other things in this person's life begin to choke out any chance of growth because there's all the other stuff. All the other stuff, those life weeds. And when those life weeds start coming up around your, your relationship with Christ that you're trying to, to grow, it chokes it out just like Jesus said. Just like that seed that fell on ground that was good, it's just there was so much other stuff there it couldn't grow. If we are not careful, 
we will find ourselves, and I'm talk, not talking about brand new Christians, I'm talking about people that have been around and serving God for years and years. We can find ourselves hearing the Word, understanding the Word, maybe, maybe even seeking after more understanding, but the other things in our lives become so much more important, it can, and most of the time will, choke out any growth. Jesus spoke specifically about the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this life. And, and he wasn't saying that it was wrong to have things, and we've talked about this before. There's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with, with owning a lot of stuff. But when it starts to choke out your relationship with Christ, then all of a sudden it's become wrong. And Jesus said, if we're not careful, that's what happens. Those life weeds. And you know, sometimes those life weeds come up and we don't even notice. I've gone out in my yard. I am somewhat fanatical about my yard. I got it honestly. Um, but there's times I'll look at my yard, I'll go out in the morning, get in my car, and I'll look at my yard, and it looks pretty good. It's green. Pretty good. But then there's other times I come home from work, and maybe it's still light outside by some chance, and, and I walk out through the front yard, and first thing you know, I start seeing crabgrass. I hate crabgrass. And it's like it doesn't matter what I have on, all of a sudden I'm down there pulling crabgrass. I hate this stuff. But you know what? When I looked at it that morning, it looked pretty good. And for several days and maybe even weeks, it looked pretty good. I didn't even notice it was growing. Blended in pretty good. But I will tell you this, I know for a fact that if you let crabgrass grow and you don't stop it, eventually it will take over your whole yard. I have had entire portions of my yard that have been destroyed by crabgrass. You know what the main cause was? Not doing something about it soon enough. And that's what happens with the, the life weeds. Those life weeds start springing up in our life and they start kind of blending in with some of our stuff that's supposed to be there. And if we're not careful, we don't even notice that it's choked out the good stuff. And if we're not careful, we don't even notice that it has destroyed our walk with Christ. If we are focused on the things of the world, it is doubtful that we're focused on Christ. You see, it's hard to be focused on two different things. You don't believe me? Everybody focus on this flag right here. Everybody focused on that? Now at the same time, focus on that flag over there. You can't do it. You can't do that any more than you can focus on the things of this world and the things of God at the same time. Well, I'll just skip back and forth. You can't do that either. What happens is that those life weeds will eventually choke out anything that was good and you'll sit down one day and you'll wonder, 
How did I lose my relationship with God? How did I get here? How did I let myself get to this point that the only thing in my garden is weeds? But then there was that seed that fell on good ground in verse 23. And this is the person that hears the gospel and they seek to understand it and they cultivate a relationship with Christ and they don't allow any of the life weeds to grow and ultimately it produces good fruit. Now, that's what Jesus told his disciples that this parable meant. But before that, let's jump back to where, where we were a minute ago. Matthew 13, verses 9 through 13. He who has ears, let him hear. Everybody here have ears? See, that's, that's kind of a trick statement. I like that. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Now, this, this next thing here, if you're not careful, it'll confuse, confuse us and mess with our head a little bit. Because it took me a little while to figure this out. I've read this many times, but it never struck me quite like it did as I was reading it this past week. He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Hmm. This is where it gets a little tricky. Whoever has will be given more, and he, who, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Well, that doesn't seem really fair. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. Hear or understand. Often Jesus' disciples, after he would give them a parable, they would say, Master, what, what do you mean by that? And this time they took a little bit different approach. They just flat came out and asked him, Why do you always talk in parables? Are you, you trying to obscure the, the truth? Are you trying to hide something from us? And Jesus answered that the deeper things of the kingdom weren't for everyone. He said that there were some that could not and would not understand the meaning of these stories because they lacked the desire to dig any deeper in order to understand. You see, Jesus would tell these stories so that the people would seek after a little bit more. What exactly did you mean by that, Jesus? And the disciples were always coming to Jesus and asking him. But there were some that were just content with the story. Didn't really care what it meant. There were some that, that could not and would not understand because they had no desire to dig any deeper into the meaning. They were content with just listening to the popular teacher. He was popular, remember? Tens of thousands of people came and saw him. And they just wanted to be able to go back home and say, hey, I went and saw that Jesus guy. Is he good or what? What did he talk about? I don't know. But he was good. And those people that didn't want to dig deeper into what Jesus really meant, maybe they'd go, well, he talked about farming. And I think I'll be a better farmer now because he really talked about where you're supposed to throw the seed when you farm. Well, is that all he meant? I guess. 
And they really weren't interested in confronting any truths that might require them to make a change in their life. And their neighbor might say, well, well, maybe there was another meaning to that. Oh, no. No, he was just talking about farming. Well, maybe he... No, no, he was just talking about farming. And there are people sitting in churches across this country today that will do the exact same thing. And they will use the same thought process. And their, their thought process is, I like listening to this guy. I'm not going to change my life or be anything different than I was when I walked through the door. But isn't he great? I really enjoy going to that church. Why? Well, because he's just, um, he's dynamic. I've known people that would talk about their pastor and talk about how dynamic and, and what a tremendous message he preached. And, and it was so incredible. And he's such a tremendous speaker. Well, did it change anything in your life? No, not really. You see, that's what a lot of people were doing with Jesus. They were coming and hearing for the entertainment. And that's all it was. A lot of these were the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the scribes. And in Jesus' day, most of these guys fit right into that category. They saw his miracles, they heard his teaching. But they would not accept him. And because of that, they lost out on finding the very one that they said they were seeking for. And there are people today that will come to church, they'll attend church on a regular basis, they will come in here, and they'll listen and they'll say, I enjoyed it, but they will never accept Christ and they'll never accept the Word into their heart. And parables produce different results in different people. When Jesus asked why he chose a, a method that was so somewhat vague and indirect, he replied that the, that the secrets of the kingdom weren't for everybody. He said that some would gain more knowledge while others would lose what they had. And as I read that, I thought, that just doesn't seem fair. Now, is it, and, and let me ask you, does it seem fair that the person who possesses something of value will be given more, while others who have next to nothing will have that taken away from them? When we look at it through our eyes like that, it, it doesn't seem fair, but stay with me just for a second. Jesus was not rendering an unfair judgment. He was stating a common principle in life, and this is what it is, those that diligently apply themselves to understanding spiritual truths will gain more in the long run. If they have some already, and they seek after more, they'll find it. They will, in fact, in the end, be like the soil that produced the good crop. In other words, the more they know, the more they want to know, and the more they want to know, the more they learn. So here's the person that has something and gets more. Well, it's starting to make sense now. And the disciples had this, they had this intense desire to understand the spiritual truths of what Jesus said. So they, they could become the people that they knew God wanted them to be. And that's why they were always going to Jesus and saying, well, tell us what you meant by that. Explain that to us. 
They were that soil that was prepared for the seed. They were ready to receive the Word. On the other hand, there were those that were apathetic about spiritual matters. They, they lacked the innovation. They lacked the discipline to learn more. And they're the soil that refused to grow anything. As a result, here's, here's that second half. As a result, not only did they not gain any harvest, they also lost the seed that they had received. So that's the person that had a little, and it was taken away. They just took their seed and just threw it. Doesn't matter. But that person that had some and took it out and, and said, I want to see what I can do with this. I want to get, get more of this and I, I want to study more and I want to, I want to dig deeper into the truths of the Word of God. And because of that, I will grow. That's what Jesus meant when He said that. Those that had some would get more and those that had little would be taken away from them. The disciples' request for help in understanding Jesus' parables, it pointed out their desire to grow. It pointed out their desire to grow. In response, Jesus provided them with additional insight and understanding and clarification. When they asked Him, what did you mean by that? He told them. And when we see the Word of God and we receive something into our heart and there's something that starts to grow and we start to, to take our Bible and look at it and say, God, help me to understand what you're saying to me. And we pray and we say, God, give me understanding. Give me wisdom. Help me to grow in knowledge. When we do that, He will. And that little bit that we have will be increased. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said that we should do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Now watch this. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who ha correctly handles the word of truth. How do we handle the word of truth? What do we do when the word of truth is given to us? How do we handle it? We are to be the ones that correctly handle the Word of Truth. We are to take that Word of Truth and, and plant it in our lives, and we are to cultivate it. And we are to, to, to go to God and say, help me to understand what you're saying to me in your Word. Help me to know the direction that I need to go. Help me to see the, the life weeds that might be growing up in my spiritual garden, that I can pull them out. That's what a desire will do. Matthew 13, verses 34 and 35. And Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Isn't that interesting? Some have said that one of the reasons that Jesus spoke so much in parables is that if he would have said directly everything that he wanted to say, it would have shortened his ministry by some time because the spiritual leaders and so forth would have understood what he was trying to get across because it would have been out there for everyone. Where if you spoke in parables, the real truth was only to those who sought after the other meaning of it. 
To most of the people, he just talked about farming. Yep, that was, a, that was an awfully good agriculture lesson today. Did you get anything else out? Nope. But I better have a better, better garden this year. <laughs> there you go. Or, or I'll be a better fisherman from now on. Sometimes Jesus spoke to his disciples or, or some of the other religious leaders without using parables. But so many times when he spoke to ordinary people, as he was doing in this passage, he spoke in parables so that it would paint this vivid picture with his words. He wanted to be certain that he communicated in a way that people understood. As we said before, if you're going to take somebody's time to talk to them and teach them something... We need to make sure that they understand what we're saying. While the parables provided a, an entertaining format, and that was probably one of the things that drew some of the larger crowds is because he was just a great speaker. There's people that can draw huge crowds of people to come listen to them, and if you really analyze the content of what they said, it just didn't say anything. They were just dynamic. I'm not mentioning any names. See, I didn't go there. But also these parables and these stories he told was, it was also one of the reasons that, that gave them cause to consider the ones that really were looking for something. It gave them cause to consider his teaching and his, follow, his call to follow him. It gave them something to seek after. As we sit down and, and we read our Bible and we pray, if we really ask God to help me understand what I'm reading, it's kind of like the, the Ethiopian guy that was going across the desert in the chariot, and Philip just happened to be running next to him, which is kind of cool, and he looks up at the guy in the chariot and says, do you have any idea what you're reading? Nope, just reading it. You know, how, how, am I, how, how am I going to know what it says if somebody doesn't tell me? And so Philip says, okay, I'll tell you. And he tells him. And as soon as he tells him, the guy says, then what's stopping me from being baptized? Now it makes sense. I was just reading it before. And so many people do the same thing in their reading of the Word. Yeah, I read three chapters. What did it say? I have no idea. But if we sit down and we read and we say, God, how does this speak to my heart? What are you trying to say to me through this word? What, what are you trying to say to me through that sermon that I heard last Sunday? What are you trying to speak to me when I had that feeling that I should have done something? But if we're not careful, we just kind of blow that off. And those are the things that give us roots. Those are the things that will cause us to stand when hard times come. Those are the things that when persecution comes, we will stand because the roots will hold us in place. When Matthew wrote about Jesus teaching in parables, he was actually recognizing a fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament. There's a prophecy that came from, I think it was back in Psalms, 
one of the Psalms, that said that he would come speaking in, in parables. And it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It wasn't just happenstance that Jesus spoke in parables when he came to earth. The prophets said he would. And isn't it great that the gospel and the other great truths of God are not so intellectually difficult to understand that only a genius can understand them? I can understand them. I can read the Bible and read the Word, and I can understand what God is trying to say to me. Now, I will tell you this. The more you read and the more you study, the more you'll understand as you read and study. I probably read my Bible and study more now than I ever have in my entire life. And you know what? It gets easier to do the more I do it. For some of you men that have been preaching or teaching for, for longer than I've been around, you've seen that, I'm sure. And not only that, the more you read and understand, the more you want to read and understand. Jesus brought out new understanding and fresh perspective like no other teacher in history. I believe that anyone can grasp the meaning of the gospel if that person's heart is truly open to God. Because when a person's heart is open to, to the Word of God, that's the whole message that Jesus was talking about in this parable. That's the soil that was prepared to receive the seed. And it's only in that circumstance that it can take root and produce plentiful fruit. When we put down deep roots of faith, we will survive any challenges that come against us, no matter how harsh they are. When we clear our hearts of, of the cares of life, the, the riches, the pleasures of life, or those life weeds, we will see tremendous growth. And not only will we see tremendous growth, we'll also see a tremendous harvest. So we should ask ourselves today, and I've done this, and I would ask that you do this, as the Word speaks to me, what condition does it find my heart in? Have we come today, and maybe at any other time that we hear the Word of God, with an open heart to receive what God wants to speak to us? Or have we come like many that followed Jesus just for the entertainment value? Does the Word find our heart hardened? Or have we cultivated our walk with Christ so that it's healthy and thriving? Have we avoided the life weeds that attempt to grow in our life by keeping our focus on Christ? And after we ask all these questions, as Jesus told his listeners in Matthew 13, as, and as has been with any farmer that has ever planted a crop, we will all know the answer to this when it's time to gather the harvest. God bless you.